welcome everybody to another episode of Stolly Dolly Scaries. I'm your host, John Ritchie Jr. And I'm Corinne Hayes. And today we will be watching cult classic Sleepaway Camp. You won't be coming home. That's a letdown. They let There's us down. There's so many taglines. I feel like I'm going to have to look up a couple and then I'm going to have to give some later because that's the main one. I looked up this. I looked up a ton of movie posters and that oh. was the main one. You know what? I found one. It says you'll go there on a bus and come back in a bag. <laughs> <laughs> and there's that's plenty so of, much better. And there's plenty more where that came from. That is savage. I like right? that so much more. Um, our movie cocktail of the day is going to be the Aunt Martha's Martini. It is a mix of OJ, St. Germain, you love your strawberries. It's fucking strong. And I guarantee Aunt Martha, as kooky as she is, is having something quite similar every morning. Mm. We are also adding a new feature to our podcast, a fun little drinking game. Anytime Angela does her iconic stare, take a little sippy of your drink. <laughs> Don't blink. <laughs> Honestly, I have so much respect for her. I, I, I watched it many times for this, and... um. She has a lot of patience, a lot of determination. She does not break her stare. Um, it's inspiring. It is. I wish um, I could navigate life that way. Uh, just, you know, n not for me. I wear, you know, you can read everything on my face. Yeah, same. I wish I could have been at this camp maybe during this time. Dude, it was always my dream to go to summer camp. I don't know why, but I just thought in my mind it was like a rich people thing. I think because I saw Parent Trap one too many mm -hmm. times, and those people mm -hmm. always seem like they had it together. But this movie has made me realize perhaps it was a positive that I never made it, you know? Yeah. Could have been me. Could have been you. I, I also never went to sleepaway camp, uh, and probably that is a good thing I didn't. I mean, I probably would have hated it. I probably, I'm dramatic. I just fucking like throw temper tantrum. I would probably be, we're going to, we're going to talk about some scenes for sure. I also think that we might need to do like for the first time ever, like a little precursor, like, uh, what's the word? Is it a disclaimer? Is that what we call it? I think it's a disclaimer. A disclaimer. Uh, a warning? A warning. A warning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this movie is very politically incorrect. Um, there's some offensive things. It has not translated well to today. Um, mm -hmm. I don't even think it really translated well then, but nobody really poked at it. Um, yeah. I've seen this movie quite a few times, and so... I didn't think much. I think maybe the first time I watched it, I was probably like, whoa. But <laughs> I didn't think to warn you when I recommended it. Um, yeah. I can't wait to hear what you think. I think it'll be um, super interesting. Our first I mean, timer. I, yeah, I, I watched this movie at 35 years old for the first time. 
I can't never believe seen that. It. Knowing you, I mean, you're like a, a horror movie aficionado. So I'm pretty surprised. I wouldn't say an aficionado, but I've seen a lot of stuff, you know, but yeah. not enough. Clearly, there's Never a lot enough. of movies to go through. Never yeah. enough. That's I like that. Mm -hmm. Never enough because, um, you know, today was the first fall launch in Starbucks land. Dog, I know. I just had it was just happened to be rolling into the lot i had hadn't been there in a couple of weeks and there it was it's like a beacon to me you a know beacon. it was so exciting did you work today i did oh oh yeah oh, oh was it busy people popping it was, off it was very busy you know mm -hmm. everyone's getting into their fall routine and they want their pumpkin spice mm -hmm. every basic bitch was there every gay was there yeah yep yeah we yeah, all got exciting. the damn pumpkin spice, right? We did mm -hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You have to. It is a rite of passage. It, it is. is all time. We're ready. All right. Let's get into it. <clears throat> uh, so Sleepaway Camp, released in theaters on November 18th, 1983, directed by Robert Pilzik, starring Felisa Rose, Jonathan Tiersten, Christopher Collette, Desiree Gould, and Karen Fields. So it starts out with the most suspenseful music ever. And Sleepaway Camp comes on, the title comes up on the screen, and you see like this beautiful fall foliage in the background. And this opening lasts an eternity is way too long they're showing like abandoned camp there's an abandoned basketball court and cabins and then randomly throughout this entire thing this music is just for no reason it's very unsettling it's definitely off season when they're shooting this beginning mm -hmm. um i mean you said it the music is it's well i mean when i first watch it it's giving old school um it's giving the 1980s something yeah it's giving something <laughs> panning and also let's talk about the budget for a second three hundred fifty thousand dollars to make this damn movie i did not know that well um, i'm even more impressed this is a piece of art that they have crafted out of nothing that's amazing homeboy mm. robert Mm -hmm. Well, I think, and this is a testament to his mom. I think what happened was his mom passed away. Mm -hmm. And I think what he did with the inheritance was do this uh... movie. So that might be a nod to old Ma, you know, little Ma, a doer. So that speaks a That's lot sweet. to it. But yeah. I think the fact, I think it was wild that it was a 350K budget and they made that back in the opening week. So what they made it back like I didn't know that they made three fifty in nineteen eighty three in the opening week. Uh. Rightfully so. This is something if I would I would have gone back to the theater multiple times. The first time I watched, I won't say, I won't say because I would give anything <laughs> away. But uh, I had a reaction. Um. So the opening is very long. It's very intense. It's suspenseful. They're building it up for you. Um. They cut back to the Camp Lake, um, and it's a beautiful day. 
they cut to this little sailboat and there are there's a brother and sister on it and they're kind of like arguing with one another in the most intense new york accents um any little kids could ever have cut it out did not did too daddy tell her to stop they cut to the dad who's like sunbathing <laughs> west side wow. story um cut to the dad who's like sunbathing he's hot like dad hey, alert hey. hot dad alert hot shorts everybody in this movie is wearing hot shorts it's wild um so <laughs> dad's like oh kids you know stop it it's okay like you know leave them alone then on the same lake there are three teens in a motorboat they are on their own they're having a good time it's a boy and girl who are driving the boat and there is a girl water skiing on the back of the boat who looks like she's terrified she is not having a good time so they cut back to the kids on the boat and they decide to like get together and play a little joke on their dad and they get up behind him and they push him in he's like oh whoa and they capsize the boat it flips over he's like oh you little tricksters they're all in the water and while this is happening they cut back to the teens in the motorboat and the girl is trying to convince the boy through her feminine wiles to let him how let him let her drive the boat and he's like oh i could lose my job blah, blah, blah. and she oh come on i i know how to do it oh, it'll be okay come on and he relents clearly wanting to cop a feel and he lets her drive the boat and then they cut back to the kids in the water and I think this is when a man comes outside and is like, hey, John, the doc's here. We, you know, we got to go. And the kids are like, oh, Aunt Martha's here. And you find out that that is John's sister, I'm assuming. And they're like, oh, is Ricky here? Oh, okay. Then they cut back to the kids in the motorboat, who the girl is now driving. Um, and as soon as she got in the driver's seat, she decided to look behind. The entire way. Both of them are just looking back at this water skier, not at all looking in front of them. And the water skier sees what's about to happen. She's like, there's a boat! And they're they're still like, why she what? Both of them. Like not no, neither one of them. At least Craig. Craig, that's your boat. Why aren't you looking ahead of you? They're both looking behind them. And they turn around, but they turn around way too late. They see they're about to hit these kids and the dad. And <laughs> Craig says, oh, turn the boat. And the girl does one of these like <laughs> one of these maneuvers. Obviously, it does nothing. So he goes to turn it full tilt, and he accidentally hits the speed runs just right the fuck over this boat these kids the dad everybody and decapitated daddy is what i say <laughs> i mean homeboy got scalped mm -hmm. <laughs> they they ran right over the other boat and he is the only one that we could see at this point you know right he's, he's the only one in view so mm -hmm. and this scene is pure chaos. <laughs> so he 
They run over him. The girl who was water skiing is in the water and she is overacting for what seems like an eternity. Oh my God! Somebody help the people! And the kids that actually hit them are looking and they just look confused. They're like, looking like, what happened there? What? The guy, the short shorts man who called out to John is looking confused too. He whispers for a second, like right when it happens, like, John. And then he just looks like nobody, nobody has a reaction except for the water skier. And her reaction is like bonkers. And they just keep cutting between all of these reactions so many times. And it is a perfect clue for what the rest of the movie will be because this, they, they saw that and they decided to go for it. The rest of the movie, it is just you know, constant reactions. It's just so interesting when I, I mean, this first scene, like, says a lot tells a lot um when i first saw this i was like what the fuck am i watching what <laughs> who is this where is this i was like i get it it's an old film but like what is yeah. this acting what are we doing after they run the dad over with their boat um it's a catastrophic event like to start the film so you're like okay i'm watching a horror movie love that yeah. Yeah. And then the acting of the water skier is so over dramatic that it feels like who told like I can't believe that they put that in the editing. They edit her. I they love that they did. <laughs> they, <laughs> they hit the boat. <laughs> they hit the boat and then she's automatically in the water. Like that edit was real sharp. A Mm-hmm. B overacted, which is funny, really yeah. funny. <laughs> the cut scene to the partner, I'm going to call him a partner, on the mm-hmm. beach who says, John, like that sharp, <laughs> like close up to his face. I was like, oh, I was so confused. It's like when, it's like when you go to a restaurant and you're like, Oh, I know what they're they're giving me. Uh, you know, I'm going to McDonald's. I know what I'm getting. Yeah, a cheeseburger, a fries, a shake, or whatever. I know what they're selling. Yeah. And in this moment, I was like, I know, I know, I'm watching a horror movie. I heard the music in the beginning, and then this scene happens. Then I'm like, I don't you know, know what's if- what. I think that's the thing. Like, I had the same reaction when I first watched. It. I'm like, what? Like, it's like sensory overload. It's like, what the fuck is going on? There's so many things that are weird. So that happens. You see the dad's, like, body floating in the water. And then you see one of the kids, like, um, like what do you call it? Life vest. Yeah. You see one of the kids' life vest, like, that's disheveled and it pops up out of the water. And you assume at least one of the kids died. We fast forward eight years later. It's this beautiful house. Mm -hmm. Um, And this woman is just calling to the children. Hurry, sweeties. We don't want to be late for the bus. Goodness, no. That wouldn't do at all. She has the most interesting way of talking of any human being. Um, It's so overpronounced and loud. And even when the children are in front of her, she's still, it's like she's talking in a play. And then she yes. she talks to herself aside, like, Richard, Angela, you don't want to be late for the bus. No, that wouldn't do at all. Hmm. 
Like, wow. <laughs> she has the most distinct, like, amazing. Desiree Gold is just gold in this Is role. gold. Mm-hmm. And what I'm just going to, like, touch on what she's wearing just to give the viewers a little picture. This cuckoo bananas lady is wearing <laughs> a blue and red beret, some, like, khaki situation underneath maybe trousers or like a cutoff short kind of gives me like troop beverly hills if anybody has seen that it's given like that underneath yeah we got a red bow like feathery Mm -hmm. she's got a loose brown rope tie belt in the mix (laughs) pinstripe blue button down with like this mellow yellow knit over Mm -hmm. it with bright red lipstick bright red nails to mm-hmm. match yeah and i'm just like i mean honestly i felt like it could have came out of a tom brown runway like today oh it was it's very distinct she has her own fashion sense um she is unhinged she calls the children down um and they're both wearing their Camp Arawak t-shirts. You know they're gonna they're on their way to camp. She hands them a bag of goodies. I packed you a bag of goodies. Wasn't that nice of me? Cool. And you can tell so I don't know if I mentioned that. So her son is Richard, Ricky. She's the only one that calls him Richard. And then Angela, we find out, is the child that survived the boat crash. So she took her in, she adopted her. They're on their way to camp. They're about to leave. And did you notice, not to poke at the bag situation again, but they both go to pick up their bags. And these bags are like teeny tiny little nothing bags. It's like a toiletry bag. And again, like what? nobody who's ever in charge of these decisions is not being realistic. Get those people some duffels. Regardless, they're about to leave. And Aunt Martha's like, oh, I, I, I got you your physicals for camp. You need these physicals, but don't tell them how you got them. Even though I am a doctor, it's really weird. She's really weird about it. It's the same thing. It's the reason why I wrote What the Fuck Am I Watching uh, in the beginning scene, because this just really highlighted that for me. I was like, who is this woman? What are we doing? Why are you talking in this way to these yeah. children? I didn't even notice the bags, but I'm going to leave that to you because you're a bag queen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll show you what I'm talking about. It's weird. Well, I know you will. They're going away for camp. <laughs> They're going away for camp. How long are we going to camp? But also, That's a good question. Yeah. I don't know how long we're going away. I don't know how these kids put up with this mother. Um, you can tell daily he's over it. He's like, okay, mom. Like you can tell he's over the shit. And Angela, sure. you can already tell she's quiet. She like she's very meek and like like. I mean, if, doesn't say much. If you thought the aunt was weird, Angela is just as weird. Except mm-hmm. she's not saying a damn word, which I think is. I don't know if it's preferred. I find Aunt Martha wildly interesting. I just want to know if. When she got that script, if she decided to play it that way, if they told her to do that, like, I have so many follow-up questions about this role as to why she decided to do it the way that she did it. And my question is, like, had she only ever done theater and she thought that was the way to act? I don't know. 
She's pretty wild. Pretty interesting lady. Certainly on some pills. Um, so she gives I'll them their physical. I'll have what she's having. <laughs> Me too. Uh, so she gives them their physicals. And off they go to camp. And the next scene is the bus. The bus is pulling up to the camp. And it's like pure pandemonium. This scene, like, these kids are fucking bulleting off of. (laughs) We're getting right off that bus and they are booking it. They are, like, falling down the hill. Like, they are running into this camp. And I've never been to camp, so maybe that is a normal thing. But I was like, whoa, I, I don't know what the fuck's happening here. It is chaos. And as this is happening, we get a brief glimpse of both Ronnie, who is one of the camp counselors, who ends up being kind of important. He is in the shortest shorts. I, I mean, this whole movie is pretty... <laughs> it's pretty unbelievable. With the costume choices. But these shorts are shorts. Um, and standing next to him is Mel, old oldie, uh, with his cigar. And um, he is clearly the camp director. And we get a little brief glimpse of them before they cut to the kitchen staff. Um, they, when, they, when you cut to the kitchen staff, they kind of look like in a still that they're in a boy band just off of the scene you know it's like a little high low moment there's you know there's a foreground there's um you know chefy and there's like the the stews behind that the way that it's like a triangle um you're right and i don't know why they decided to pose him like that and i can't imagine in real life the kitchen staff would be um structured as such It was weird. Um, <laughs> and we meet Artie, who is the grossest man um, to ever exist. And he says some really nasty things. Look at all that young, fresh chicken. Gross. Which is gross. Fucking what? Is one of his fellow chefs is like, um, they're too young to be thinking of what you're thinking. And Artie responds with something like, oh, nobody's too young or something like that. And Ben, instead of being like, you're fucking disgusting and having like some type of reaction, Ben goes, oh, (laughs) like silly guy. (laughs) It's gross. I mean, they're clearly setting up Artie as like a pedophile, possibly just got out of prison. He he says some real nasty shit. Um, it's pretty offensive. This is one of those disclaimer moments I speak of. Um, it's pretty pretty dark. What do you think? It's real timer? real rough is what I will say. Um, I mean, listen, we're we're diving into like pedophilia themes. We're talking mm-hmm. about older dirty ass men talking about young kids not in the best way uh and clearly not in a way that is um right um so it's yeah it is it's really hard to watch uh but also like this is a fucking scumbag and that's 
maybe that's what the director wanted to portray is that this guy is a piece of shit he's disgusting whatever so we get a little taste to him and then <laughs> ricky is walking down a hill with angela and his good old friend paul comes up to say hey you know and ricky introduces him to angela he kind of walks away and then he turns around just to let ricky know that judy who was there last year has grown big boobs you'll see and he's like oh man and he turns to angela and he's like oh we were like you know we were a couple we were a thing last summer so you'll she'll probably be in your bunk when do you get a load of judy (laughs) Mm -hmm. kids Mm -hmm. so ricky walks angela to her cabin to the girl's cabin and as they're walking they see judy across the field who's talking to a bunch of men and he calls out to her hey judy boys (laughs) but older boys they're Mm -hmm. not they're not ricky age boys Mm -hmm. they're more you know seasoned and she turns around like ricky calls out to her like hey judy and she turns around and kind of snubs him is like hey like you know barely looks at him one of the other guys in the group says like who's that wimp like they they kind of snub him, and he's like, oh, you know, he looks hurt, but he's tough. Ricky's probably my favorite character. And he kind of shows Angela into the cabin. Side note, Judy looked like so – doesn't she look – she has, like, so, such an older face? Like, even though she's, like, really teeny, like, I just felt like she looked like she could have been 35. Like, she has a very mature face, um, which maybe makes her a little bit more menacing. Like, she, mm. she looked – more mature than the other girls for sure she uh definitely i mean like when i first saw her i was like okay we're getting some acting from a younger uh actress you know and i was i was kind of excited that she was she was totally portraying the like i'm i have my glow up since Mm. last summer yeah, and I have developed, and I'm seeing what's around. I'm going to talk to these older boys, and who is Ricky? Maybe I like Ricky. Maybe I don't. Mm. Who? What am I playing? Who am I playing? All of them, mm. kind of vibe. Yeah, and so I was kind of interested in like, okay, what's up her ass a little bit? <laughs> so uh, Angela enters the cabin, followed quickly by Judy. Um, and as Judy sits down at her bed when she enters, Angela is being really weird. She's sitting on her bed and she's facing towards Judy and she is just. You know, she's just fucking locked in. St- <laughs> Death stare. Staring at Judy. And Judy's like. What are you looking at, huh? Let's take a picture to last longer. To be fair, though, I don't know if Judy ever really would have poked at Angela if Angela didn't start this war. I don't know why Angela's being such a mega weirdo right now. But she, to her credit, though, she doesn't break it. Like, she's throwing these insults at her, and Angela is just wide-eyed, looking at her. Nothing's breaking that stare. Nothing's breaking her stride. And... As she's staring at her, we meet Meg, who is one of the who is one of two camp counselors 
in this bunk. I don't know what the age difference is supposed to be between these. Like, how much older do you think she is than Judy? Mm. I would, because she, the way that she acts with Judy throughout this movie is, like, weird. Like, she's trying yeah. to impress her something. And so I'm like, either Meg is really insecure or it can't be that much of an age gap. Either way, Meg, who is not much older than Judy, comes over and is like, man, we got a real winner here. And you can already tell they're going to be an alliance. They're against Angela, which, again, is weird and really inappropriate. Camp counselors are supposed to be on your side. And in the meantime, we meet the other camp counselor of the bunk, Susie, who is much kinder. And she goes over to Angela's like, oh, you're Angela, right? Well, you know, we heard you're kind of quiet. Or she says something like that. She's softer and she's sweet. If I had a camp counselor that was um, like, who the fuck's this kid? I would be like, I would probably turn into Ricky and be like, what of it? (laughs) We... You know, it's we're much weird. We're like, much grown now, but when you're 11 or 12 or however old these youngins are, yeah, um, you don't know who the fuck you are. You barely know how to tie your shoe. Yeah, I don't. I can't recall a time when I was that young and have been like um, sure of myself. Sure, you know. So they're probably dealing with the same old shit, and they're looking to these you know, quote unquote, older camp counselors to guide them in some way. Right. And, you know, if you're a mute child, uh, you know, life might not be great. Might be kind of (laughs) hellish. Then the next scene, we're in the cafeteria and we find out that Angela hasn't been eating. She hasn't eaten for three days. So Meg gets Ronnie, who is the short shorts counselor we saw um, when <laughs> all the kids first rolled up and he was yelling at him, he's kind of like the head honcho. Uh, Meg goes and grabs him and lets him know the situation. And he comes over and he's very sweet. He's like, oh, Angela, let's go into, let's go and, and see Audie and see if he can get you something you like. So they go to the kitchen. We get to see good old head pedophile once more. And he says, oh, yeah, I think I got something in the walk-in you'd like. And then somebody comes in and lets Ronnie know he got a phone call. And he leaves Angela with this dirty old cook. And my problem here is, like, everybody's got to know Artie's situation. Nobody can be immune to that. Right? Like, I think he, like, puts out that energy. So for Ronnie, who seems like a really responsible guy, to do that and just leave her with this dirty fuckhead really bugged me. Because I was kind of on Ronnie's side. But regardless, he leaves her with Artie. Artie takes her into the walk-in and is like, hey, you know, you see anything you like? And she's, you know, not obviously saying anything. And he says, I think I got something you like. And he starts to unbuckle his drawers. And luckily, as he's doing this, Ricky, love this guy. Ricky comes in sailing to to the rescue and says, hey, what are you doing? And Artie gets like flustered. Oh, what are you doing here, kid? And he kind of slams him up against the wall and... Ricky grabs Angela and they run out of there. 
Artie is clearly disgruntled. And Mel, who is the old man camp director, camp owner, is like, oh, what's going on there? Uh, what happened there? And Artie says, I don't know. Guess I scared him. And Mel says, guess so. Hmm. Doesn't ask a single question. There's a lot to unpack. I will objectify whatever that guy, that camp counselor in the red shorts, whatever. He might as well, Ronnie might as well be wearing underwear at this point. Um, Listen, the sleeves are cut off. The, the red underwear is showing. Um, It's, this is why I say like, we know what kind of fucking camp we're in because if, it goes the same way. If he could wear this underwear around these kids, what are we portraying here? What are we doing? When you think about it in like a bigger scope, you're like, yeah. man, was this the 80s? I think like, it was that's just the 80s. Like, I think everything this, went in the 80s. Is this you know? the 80s? It was, it was George over the 80s, but I'll take it. Okay. Yeah. I'll watch yeah. it. Yes. Okay. He seems very kind. He seems very much like, let me take yeah. care of this little kid. Let me see if she can, you know, like she's not eaten. So let's seems find. Genuine. For sure. Genuine. Yeah. And then we get to the arty of it all, which I mean, I'm not going to talk about this scene. It's disgusting. It's vile. It's you're trying to. Mm-hmm. Thank God for Ricky. I'm going to mm-hmm. say that. Thank God for Ricky. I did a little fun fact. I heard they had to shoot that scene. Maybe the one where Artie was like pushing Ricky up against the uh, boxes in the in the in the pantry. Yeah. Um, They did that so many times that he he actually developed like a bruise on his back because of how much he had to like push up against the pantry. Wow. When I rewatched that, I was like, good thing they put like a soft box behind him. Finally, but yeah. I heard, I heard, yeah. Somewhere mm. that happened. Ricky was given the most for this role. I love that kid. He comes <laughs> through many times, many times. Um, so that happens, and then a few minutes later, next scene, Artie is looking into. The biggest pot I've ever seen in my life. It is, I mean, the size of a human being. He's up on this step stool looking into this giant boiling pot. When we get the POV killer, very a la Friday the 13th-esque, they come in and you just see their hand and you can tell it's like a young hand. It's a child hand, at the very least. And, this- and also, uh, the like camera angle is a little bit lower. Lower. Yeah, Lower. for sure. So, so you can for sure tell that it is childlike. Yeah, for sure. Clues. Or I guess like child height. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. The camera points up and Artie's butt is disgusting. And he's wearing white pants, which is the least practical pant choice for a cook. And his butt is brown and he's just a sick fuck. So little child hand comes in and they shake the ladder that Artie is on. And, and he says, hey, what are you doing? Oh, 
I don't, does he say, oh, it's you? Or he says something like that. Like you can tell he recognizes whoever it is doing what they're doing. Uh, I did write in my notes, can we talk about this pot for a minute? Because <laughs> this pot could have fit me inside of it. Cute. I'm 5'4". I could have fit my whole body in this no. thing. I could have made a little hot tub. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's so ginormous and so exaggerated, right? Yeah, yeah. And then we get the point of view of the killer. Mm-hmm. And this was the first time that I was like, oh, I really like this. <laughs> and and also because, like, you, you said the same thing. Friday the 13th, Halloween. The view of the killer is one that is so, um, it gives, like, intention to the scene. Mm. So when the person comes in and they, like, come in and, like, duck behind, like, you know the counter and you're yeah. seeing like this green chair and then you see this scumbag Artie come out of the pantry and he's like salting <laughs> the fucking water to get that corn on the cob in there right yeah and then uh we do see Artie's butt I'm not gonna lie it is messy it is dirty it's kind of uh, round it's like just creepy. saying it's kind of round right <laughs> For all the, th- <laughs> I can't mm-hmm. say it. It's round. I'll yeah. say that. I'll stop there. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a little push on the butt talks, and Artie <laughs> Artie pushes forward, but like there's a little shelf above the pot. So now he's holding onto the shelf, and he's worried all of a sudden. Yeah, that like just a little push. He's over top of the pot. So now I'm like, I'm holding on. <laughs> but if I'm already, I'm just stepping down. Am I right? Oh, I, I in, think you're 100% right. But um, instead, Artie looks back and says, just like, oh, don't don't do this. I'll make you an ice cream sundae here or whatever. I don't even know what he said. Um, And then we see the hand, which Another scene that I love is just like, you know, we're finally getting into the horror aspect of it. Just like the hand pull the chair a little further back. Totally, yeah. And now it's getting suspenseful. The music is going and we're just like, we're in there. And we're about to see this fucking scumbag. Something's going to happen to him. This little hand eventually just pulls this little ladder out. And for some reason, he holds on to the pot. And and obviously it comes down on him, and this thing just sears him with boiling water. And for as old as this movie is, and the budget on it, the special effects are fucking bonkers. Like, hit, like so good. Like, his skin is boiled. Like, even his eyes are, like, boiling. He's... And Ben, his fellow cook, comes running in in his underwear for some unknown reason. And they give us another beautiful reaction shot where they bounce between Artie and Ben just being like, what? For, I mean, an immeasurable amount of time, they just keep cutting between both of them until they cut ahead and you see Artie being carted away uh, in an ambulance still alive though screaming out in pain but still alive and so my question is why the fuck isn't he being like it was this person he's not dead um he's not mute like he could scream out it was this kid 
but he mm-hmm. doesn't it, it, that's a plot hole to me fun fact go is that as Artie gets wheeled out the paramedics or the whoever are wheeling him out um they're actually from the town that they shot in Aww. So the people in the like uniforms who like carried him out are actually people who would have done that in from the town. Life. So they had true uniform and like, you know, whatever it said on the back of their thing yeah. is like specifically from the from the town. So it's kind of interesting continuity. Um I love when things like that happen. Um I always think of that with um was it the exorcist? The um x-ray technician was a real x-ray technician for um or not x-ray um some type of like technician that took care of reagan when they were doing tests on her and then he ended up being like a serial killer um but still i think that's so fun and interesting when they use like real life people who actually yeah you know i think the when the i don't know what to call him the like head paramedic guy is talking to Mel about about what he on. must be feeling. Every just... nerve in his body must feel like it's on fire. Yeah, I don't have a sedative strong enough. Like yeah. he goes on and on about how much pain Artie is, and I'm like, what? Why are you doing this? It's again. I feel like the entire theme of the movie is just repetitive like either reactions or a scene goes on too long from the opening to the cutting back of reactions to a scene like it's so um too much the whole yeah it's just so too much i i think it's so fucking funny how he keeps just (laughs) describing how much pain he must be in i don't carry a sedative strong enough to mask the kind of agony he's in right now every nerve in his body must feel like it's on fire jesus pain must be incredible Poor guy must be going crazy. If he's lucky. After we just saw this man, like, with boils on his face, like, (laughs) popping up. I mean, he really looked like he was in pain. That's how good the special effects were. Or the makeup or the whatever. Like, beautiful. I was like, why? So impressive, yeah. Like, this could be done today, and I would be like, oh, my God, that's believable. Yeah. Um, Like, eventually Mel is like, okay, like, and then he goes over to... Ben and the other cooks and is like, you know, uh, nobody needs to know about this, you know, right? Like, Artie just had to, you know, go away for a bit. And Ben, who is now have his, you know, has his pants on all of a sudden, it's like, Ben, you know, you're a head chef now, right? You know, $15 more a week and uh, nobody needs to know. This is, I think, setting up that Mel is a piece of shit and he, all he cares about is protecting his camp. And making sure the dollars keep flowing on in. That's all he's worried about. He just doesn't want anyone mm-hmm. to know that this happened. I think it's a, a dual note to say that Mel in his like, we don't want anything to want any of the campers or the parents to know. He's truly protecting the camp uh, under any means necessary. Yeah. Uh, not in the right ways, some would say. But mm-hmm. also, I think it's it's we should note that the other cook is played by Robert Earl Jones, mm-hmm. um, is the father of James Earl Jones, who plays the guy in the Sandlot, who plays Darth Vader's voice, like so many things. That was his father. 
Wow. In a true like, Luke, I am your father moment. That's a good nugget. That is a good right? nugget of information. I, I totally... thought that was so interesting because as he was talking, well, I thought, to be honest, I thought it was James Earl Jones the whole time. He he has like a very like a familiarity about him, but I feel like um, James Earl Jones is just a bit like bulkier. Like, like Ben's kind of. Um, but the way like, the way their voices is so similar that I was like, oh my god, that's him. And then yeah. when I was looking at the notes or like doing the the research, um, no, that's his dad. That's wild. Is so, that is so really wild. crazy that I didn't pick up on that. So then they cut to the boys' cabin, so Ricky's cabin, where the boys are playing the fucking grossest prank. Did you ever do this? The fucking grossest prank that I've ever, ever seen. Uh, so Mozart, who we will come to find out is like kind of the nerd of the group. They're playing a prank on him, and he's laying down, and they're saying like, you know, we're playing a trick on your mind and I have convinced you so that you won't be able to do a sit-up and, you know, and as they're doing this, they have one of the other kids in the cabin stand above him with his pants down, ass crack out, and Ricky's like, okay, try to sit up. You won't be able to. And so he sits up so hard that he face plants into this other boy's butt. That's assault. <laughs> that would never fly today i was really offended by of all the things i could have been offended i was like i i would be livid i would be livid did you do well, this you don't seem as upset you seem fine. i literally wrote this in my notes this is where it starts to get a little funny and bullyish but boys are stupid and the reason why i say this is because of course I've done shit like this in my lifetime. Did you do that Let's... though? Did you do that? No, I th Okay, so let me let me think about this for a second mm. because I thought this was this was very well crafted. This is like, you know, the thing you play as a kid where it's like light as a feather, stiff as a board. A little bit you know, more sort of evil for sure. <laughs> evil. But this is I mean, this is um this adolescent is how you get boys. Pink eye. This, this is how you get pink eye, and this is also how to discover if you're gay or not. In some cases, um, you're like, maybe I did like kind of falling into that, but I don't know. When his cheek slaps that. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. Because I, I wrote in my next note, I've definitely done something similar in my day. You know, um, I think. I think what it was is in my day, um, I feel like the joke was or the <laughs> prank was to like wait for somebody to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, this is this is so, so you could do anything when somebody falls asleep. And this is the funny part of it. But also yeah. the like sad reality of like, what the fuck are we doing? And what is it? What are we implying? What are the implications of this? Uh it is such a boys will be boys thing. And it's just like boys are nasty. I remember playing around with my like cousins when I was that age, like my, my dad's side, which are all boy cousins and them just being fucking sick, just gross yeah. with their hearts yeah. and like just unbelievable with what they would do. And it's very on brand, but I it still is. say I would sue if somebody did that to me. <laughs> <laughs> 
fucking wild. Um, they fuck with Mozart and um, Mozart. Mozart. <laughs> Poor Mozart. Um, and the counselor comes in and he is wearing a, a fourth of a t-shirt. This is the smallest crop top I have ever seen. I mean, AC Slater. Again, this is AC Slater on steroids. Oh, yeah. oh 1,000. Um, yeah. The, yeah. The, the shirt that this camp counselor is wearing is so short. It's, it's I mean, essentially above his nipples. I, oh, I don't yeah. even. It's, it's a half bra situation. <laughs> I, again, you know, what, what are you trying to do to me in this film? As a 35 year old, I swear I don't man. remember that. Like I, 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 I think it wasn't until I was watching it and I was like taking this. I was like, "Whoa!" I said, "I said, wait a minute. First, you're giving me this hot dad scene one with the little furries on, and then you're giving me these short ass shorts, underwear shorts, and then a crop top so cropped <laughs> that I don't even know." How to handle this. Yeah. If I were, you know, like, if I were one of these kids, I would be like, um, where am I at camp? I would be questioning yeah. a lot. Well, and that guy is hot, too. It's not even like he's like, all of them are you said wicked it. hot. You like, said it. Beautiful, chiseled features. It's like, what? I would have been a camp 100%. I would have been yeah. lobbying. I would have had a lemonade stand. I would have been making my way to that fucking camp no matter what it took. These boys are lemonade stand. Mm -hmm. I would have been like, yeah. I'm playing baseball. Yeah. yeah. And I would have been fucking clocked by one of the balls. Yeah. Because. 1,000% babes. Total babes. So mm. little crop top man comes in and he says, um. Oh, don't tell me Mozart felt for it. Nobody, what? There are no regulations in this fucking camp. There's no, hey, don't do that. Oh, don't tell me he fell for it. It's fucking chaos. Anything it's goes. The time. It's just the time. <laughs> it's just the time. And he says, you know, we're all playing um baseball game, like get your gloves. Uh I think it's like them against kids that are like twice their age. It's like Ricky, Mozart, like all of these young. I don't think these kids could be more than 12. And then they're playing against like the counselors or something. Like every, all the kids they're playing against are much bigger and older looking than them. Yeah. I feel like they got to be playing against like the other, the other uh, bunk or whatever, they you know, have like to, the. But like that other bunk. But I have a note about that later on. And, like, what is the age group here? Like, what the fuck is happening? Because there are scenes where, like, it seems like 17-year-olds are playing with, like, 11-year-olds. And, like, I don't understand, like, what the deal is here. But it's certainly... A lot of risque business happening. At least, uh, my here. friend. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so they're playing this game. Everyone's wearing even shorter shorts, hot pants, denim cutoffs, more crop tops. It's never ending. Um, and there's a lot of like, you know, dick swinging, a lot of shit talking. One of the guys who's up to bat says to Ricky, like, 
eat shit and die. And Ricky says, eat shit and live. And that is the basis of the entire game. It's just a bunch of trash talk and just, whoa. Um, I am obsessed with that line. So when I took away, we're getting sauteed tonight, I'm taking away this line from this film. Um, because it's so easy to say eat shit and die. It's so easy. But, you know, boys will be boys. And to say eat shit and live. <laughs> love. Simon, I'm putting it in my um, my text app right now. It's going to live there rent free. And I'm yeah. going to send it to everyone I know. Put it in your notebook. Especially it's a good my one. nemesis. Mm-hmm. You're right. He's so clever. I love Ricky. He's the best. Uh, so they're playing. Um, I don't really play attention much to the game other than they're shit talking. Mozart. <laughs> the only thing I really noticed from the game was that there's like a pot ball or something. And Mozart mm-hmm. is out in the middle of the field, like playing a Game Boy or something like an old, like nothing. And he like, oh, he drops it and he still catches the ball. You know, but, it's going to be, I don't know when Game Boy came out, but it's got to be older than Game Boy. Oh, He's playing sure. this little boxing game. And I remember this shit when you, do you? Are playing, I do the like boxing little stick figures on the little, I mean, essentially it's like a cell phone at this point. Look, it's a distraction. Was, is that like a, a calculator? Like it is like an old school, old school. It does. It yeah. does look like a calculator, but this little boxing game and he's playing and Mozart is obviously the nerd of the group and he's out in the outfield and this fucking fly ball comes at him and he f- drops his game, fumbles it, but s- manages to catch it. And it's yeah. just a, you know, it's a camaraderie thing for the youngins, but also. Well, I it think makes it feel good, too, because even though Mar- like Mozart is Mozart. What a fun name. He's clearly like the geek, the nerd, but they're still like kind to him. Like they're not bullying him. They're just like, oh, Mozart. Like they just, they like to play with him and, you know, but it's a very uh, like innocent type of like teasing. It's not like mean fucking spirited, you know? For sure. And I think, you know, like, the most we get out of this game is like maybe a little bit more Ricky character development and just the fact that he's a shit talker. He's, uh, you know, doesn't deal with anybody's shit. Yeah. No, he's the coolest yeah. kid on the block. I love that guy. He don't take nothing from nobody. So, so they win the game. They win and the then game. Tension is high because then they're, ridiculing the other bunk saying like we fucking beat their ass what am i gonna buy with my because there was a bet on the game right what am i gonna buy a corvette i'm gonna buy my a car i'm gonna it, it would have been easier playing or would have been harder playing the girls yeah you know Ooh. Ooh, burn so good so good um it's a good point so yeah attention to the other team's pissed like we'll get them back they're mad you know, also because they're about, they do look like twice their size. They should have won, you know, although baseball is a, is a game of talent. You know, it's not so much about uh, stature, but still, it was a surprising win. So the next scene, they cut to the social, which is taking place in 
it's like an old like rec hall. It's not really so much of a social. It's just like a gathering of the children in this central location. I don't even think there's music being played. They're just all in this one location. The boys who lost the game are all plotting on how they're going to go skinny dipping and how they're going to get the girls to come with them. And they look over and they see little Angela sitting by herself. And one of the guys dares these boys to go over and invite her to come skinny dipping. So they go over and I can't think of their names, but it's like the blonde guy and a mullet guy. And they're Mm -hmm. trying to like charm her and she pulls her quintessential stare. And she, I've learned so much from this girl. Anytime anybody bugs me, I'm going to do that. Because there's no way to make somebody feel more stupid than just looking at them like that. She tears people apart with that stare. Um, and and then they're starting to get enraged. Well, what's the matter with you, huh? Don't you want to come skinny dip? What's going on with you? Something's wrong with her. And they're starting to get more and more upset that she's not responding to them. And as this is happening, good old Ricky walks in the hall with a cowboy hat. I don't know where he got it from, but it is about twice the size of him. It's like a comical foam cowboy hat. It's so big. Okay, with with this hat, how do you fit it in that little backpack? <laughs> I would have took up the whole backpack. Am I right? A hundred percent. It's cool. I don't know what the decision was there, but it's cool. He walks in. He owns the place in that Stenson. He comes in guns blazing he sees those boys messing with his cousin he rolls right over them is like not on my watch he straight up gets into a fist fight with this i I don't know if it's the blonde boy or the mullet boy he gets into a a fight with one of them mullet boy mullet boy and there's another drinking moment as angela's staring as they're fighting oh honestly people are gonna probably die if they have to do that (laughs) drinking game that is the majority of the movie so they get into a tete-a-tete bigger than they get into a fight. Mel, Mel everyone's kind of just watching it. Eventually, some of the counselors pull them apart and they leave. And Paul walks over to Angela and he's really sweet. He's like, Hey, you know, I, I you know, I heard about what happened to you with your family. Like, I'm really sorry that happened. And, you know, he's just he's kind to her. He I really like Paul. He's kind for now he loses it later but in this moment he's genuine and sweet with her and he says okay well good night angela and as he's walking away she says good night and he turns that's the first time we hear her speak and he turns around he says good night and he's so jazzed he's so excited you can see there's some energy there and i'm happy i'm happy for both of them we finally get a speaking Angela and you get some sparkle out of her. There is um, an interesting uh, fact. Um, the length of time it takes for us to hear actu- or Angela actually speak. Oh, I'm sure. And well, I think it's like, it's probably like 31 30, minutes yeah. into the film or something. Yeah. But that's pretty uh, substantial considering the movie's only an hour and 24 minutes. Like. Yeah. You know what? That actress made out like a bandit. That means, think of all the scenes she had to do where all she had to do was, you know what? That's mm-hmm. a pretty sweet gig. Um, the only thing in the last scene that we should talk about is that Judy 
definitely takes note that Angela is A, speaking, and right. also B, potentially interested in a boy, which, mm-hmm. you know, is a threat to her being the one that should be interested in all of them. Yeah, I think she's just pissed that a boy isn't talking to her, even though she has no interest in Paul. She just wants all the boys to be interested in her and her giant side pony. So that is something to take note of. Um, I should have I should have had a side pony for this. mm -hmm. I know I should have got a Judy t-shirt, but I don't really like her. I didn't want to represent her. So the boys are Uh trying to convince all of these girls they are all out by the water and they're trying to convince the girls to go see any dip them with them and the girls are just not having it they keep going back and forth and the guys are like well fine we'll do it anyway and the next scene is all of them literally <laughs> running into the water butts out skinny dipping but the mullet guy who got into the fight with ricky convinces one of the girls to take a moonlight ride on the water with him and i don't know what his end game is here but as they're out on the water he like makes like watch out for the the water snakes and the snapping turtles and he starts like shaking the boat and he tips it over it capsides and they're in the water Hmm. i have one ad because again i read some things right before sure um that they they shot this at the lake that robert is it hillsnick Hilzik, Hilzik, the director, writer. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he. This is a lake he actually attended, or a camp that he actually attended. Wow. That's where they shot this, and they shot this in fall of 1983, November, right? I think you said. Yeah. And the water was freezing, so the fact that they had a skinny dip in this lake, there was one actor who was like, "Absolutely not! Like I'm fucking done with this shit." Um doing whatever so i thought that that was an interesting thing that they were like shooting it you know late night in fall and the water's probably freezing and I'm they have to get naked fascinated by stories like that where they have actors do like uncomfortable shoots like that it makes mm-hmm. me think of um you ever seen purple rain love purple rain <gasps> you never saw purple rain oh man purple well who? <laughs> Well, there's a scene in Purple Rain where he convinces a girl to go. He doesn't convince her. He kind of tricks her into go swimming. And I read later on that, like, she almost got pneumonia because, like, the water was so cold and she had to do so many takes, but she was so committed and she had to be naked during it. I'm just, like, always surprised because I guess I think of, like, shoots like Titanic where they're in, like, hot tub, you know, temperature water. And I just always assume everything's that way. But these actors be working for it. You know what I mean, and I don't blame that kid for quitting. I don't think he was yeah. getting much from showing his butt in this movie. You yeah, know? and also of the the Kenny scene, I think it's Kenny, whatever that character's I think it is name Kenny. is. Yeah, you're right. And they the flip the boat over. I know that he uh, hurt his hand on this shoot. Like he flipped the boat over and like hit a rock because it was oh. so shallow in that area and like hurt his hand. Wow! Um, but that's all Oof. I know. Um, filming continued. Kenny really gave his all. So yeah, he's kind of teasing this girl, and he's talking about snapping turtles and whatever. And he starts rocking the boat, and he tips them over, and she's like, "Fuck you!" She swims away back to shore, 
And for some reason, he decides to go back under the boat. I don't know if he was trying to tip it back over or what his deal was, but he goes back under the boat. And as he's under there, a head appears. You only see the back of the head. And he says, what are you doing here? Um, And then he says something like, you know, the other boys will be really interested to see you here. And then whoever it is drowns him with little to no effort. Literally just puts a hand on him and down he goes and gone. He did not put up a fight. And we see nothing more. He cut to the next morning and there's a camp counselor who's real pissed. He has to clean up the area. I guess the skinny mm-hmm. dipping boys really left it dirty. And so yeah. he is like really pissed. He's like flipping chairs. Oh my God. And then he So in short shorts and no shirt. Yeah. So clearly this film is for the gays. Without a doubt. He comes across the canoe. He's like, what's this doing here? He flips it. And there's Kenny, who is dead as fuck. I can't imagine that this is what somebody would look like if they drowned. He's dead. Um, my favorite part is a water snake, like, crawls out of his, like, mouth. The irony that he was teasing that girl, like, oh, water snake has happened to her. And then that crawls out is just fucking phenomenal. The foreshadowing. Um, yeah, he's, again, I'm still impressed by uh, the special effects or whatever. Oh, what is it so called? Good. Yeah, it's not, like it's special, not special effects. It's like actual effects. What is that called? Well, that's like practical effects. But I mean, like special effects, any of that is the same thing as um, like your makeup it's, and your. It's wild. It's yeah. grotesque. Oh, it's, it's really gruesome. vile. It's very vile. Um, so. He sees that, and then the next scene is, again, another ambulance is here, and they're taking the boy away, and the cop is talking to Mel, the camp counselor. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm not an expert, but um, I-, I would assume that he drowned, and, you know, this happened. And Mel's like, yeah, yeah, that-, that-, that must be what it is. We don't want the kids to know. We don't want to upset the kids. The kids must never know. And then Ronnie goes to say something, and he kind of cuts him off, like, no, that's what it was. He just drowned. Let's not speak of it anymore. And he's really weird about it, obviously because he doesn't want anybody to know because he's so worried about his fucking camp closing down. And as Mel is walking away, the cop walks off with Ronnie, and he's like, you know, what were you going to say before he cut you off? And he says, well, I was just going to say, you know, I remember that kid being a pretty good swimmer. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. You know? I also think it's important to note that this cop um this head cop or whoever he is has a very fine mustache oh very uh, right fine. now very very fine you know he's got nice quaffed hair in between the whatever and he definitely has a real mustache and later you never know uh, yeah <laughs> that is something to note Some- and ronnie is still in the Shorts. highest shorts, shorts. I have ever oh, seen. Time. They're crazy. His... Oh, they're just like shorter and shorter. It's, it reminds me of like the hat from Scary Movie. Do you know what I'm talking about? The like, when the hat's like slowly gets bigger and bigger. Like his shorts just keep shrinking and shrinking. And I like mean... we're not going to notice. And like I, they're about to disappear at any moment. Ronnie is oof. The shorts combined with the pectoral muscles are. 
Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, yeah. Wowzer. Yeah. He's a good-looking guy. He's a good-looking guy. So that happens. And then they cut to the girls. The, the Angela's bunk is playing volleyball. And Angela, of course, is not participating because she's weird. And she's just watching. And as she's watching this play out, Paul comes over. Sweet Prince Paul. And all of a sudden, Angela has come alive. She is no longer mute. She's being a little flirty. Oh, hi. <laughs> She's a new woman. Um, he has really brought the... What's the word I'm looking for? He's really brought her out of her shell. Um, he asked her to come to the movie in the rec hall with him. And she says, well, isn't that mandatory? And he says, well, yeah, you know, but I thought we could go together. She says, what did she say exactly? I think she just says, okay. He says, great. And again, he's exuberant. He's excited. He likes this girl. And I think it's sweet. I yeah. think the, the fact that Judy is still in her Judy T with the side pony playing the volleyball, <laughs> her and Meg, um, you know, say like, oh, Angela's talking. Um, and she's talking to Paul. That's not allowed. Yeah. Like, let's. So they're always constantly the antagonist. They're trying to, um, you know, ruin yeah. Angela's time because she's too weird and they don't like weird. So they're like, mm. you're not allowed to do anything now. So they're trying to police, uh, essentially what Judy does very well and is the fact of talking to boys. But we do get a point where Susie kind of, interjects a little bit right yeah because yeah Ju um was it judy says like how come angela gets to talk to the boys while we all have to play volleyball i don't know why she talks in such a like pronounced i feel like everybody in this movie had only done theater acting or something like they are so like over the top with their uh words and meg comes over and kind of like shoes paul away and then Susie, the nice campler, or the nice campler, the nice camp counselor, <laughs> says, um, like, like, you know, if you don't want to play volleyball, do you want to go swimming or do you want to do this? Like, you know, is there something else you'd rather do? And Angela, like, very softly and sweetly says, oh, I don't mind watching. She's got, like, a very sweet tenor, and Susie kind of smiles at her, and they have a nice little moment, and you can tell. There, there are clear alliances forming of the people that is against, that the people that are against Angela and the people that are, like, defending her. And uh -huh. everybody's shooting sides at this point. Next scene, Paul and Angela are leaving the rec hall after seeing the movie. They are hand in hand. There's an energy. They're smiling at one another. Um, right behind them, though, is Judy with revenge twinkle in her eye, just watching, just so upset that anybody could be interested in anybody but her. And so that's a little foreshadowing. Um, Paul asks if he can walk Angela back to her cabin, and, and they go that way. And he kind of thwarts her and says, Let, let's go over here. And literally, 
they get to the side of the cabin and before like she can even blink he turns and plants a smoocheroo on her without her even knowing what's what and she just looks fucking shocked she doesn't she doesn't look into it she's just kind of like what just happened he's like sorry you know are you are you mad at me are you sorry i did that and she says no but she looks startled she looks very um that's what i'm looking for she's Um, caught off guard very but then he asks for another one which is even worse read the room paul she is still processing what she just did and she says like i have to go now yeah so he plants another smoocheroo on her I think before she even says okay, like he says, you might, can I have another one? And he just fucking does it. She doesn't give anything to the kiss. And that should be like, she just is like standing there, like just really shook. And no, I mean, if she was blank stare before, she was blank stare again. Yeah. Just like, it's a little bit forceful. But also, I mean, like, he's shooting his shot, I guess. He's shooting a shot. He's young, and it's not like an aggressive kiss. It's very much like a peck, but it's still a little weird. And um, he he ain't got no game. And I really thought he did because he's the only one that's been able to get through to her. He should be able to read her a little bit better. He's kind of thwarted through her not awkwardness, but you know he's the only one that got her to talk. And so he's he's made it thus you know this far, and now he's just trying to get into the fast lane, and he he's no longer preheating the oven um so analogy mm -hmm. yeah like so many men you know what i mean Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so so slide in here (laughs) slide in there (laughs) indeed what happens so she says have to go she you know walks away suddenly she's not happy um, and then we're back at the boys' cabin where they're playing a prank mm-hmm. on Mozart. They do the old, he's sleeping. They put shaving cream in his hand and they do a little like feather tickle to wake him. And he goes to like scratch himself. Oh, he hits himself in the head with the shaving cream. His reaction though is a bit over the top. Um, he pulls a knife out and starts threatening everybody with his knife. And as he's doing this, the counselor, Short, 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 crappy top counselor comes in. He's like, what are you guys doing? What's going on here? He confiscates the knife, puts it in plain sight, and hides it. You're not going to see this until the end of camp. And he hides it exactly where they can all see where he's putting it. And that is the halfway mark. Do, 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 do. If I'm going to give my hot take on part one, is that I started this movie saying like this movie is not for me mm. and then i watched it for what it was and mm-hmm. i developed some more thoughts some good some not good sure and i feel like we are finally in sort of a stride where we're like okay it's not dealing with pedophilia it is <laughs> you know uh really going through like the young experience of being away at summer camp and Mm -hmm. it feels a little like i can get a little bit more invested because the mm, the demeanor of these children they are children right like it's shit that would have played out in my childhood and 
some good and some bad. There's some bullying. There's some, you know, love interests. There's some mm, risque behavior, I'll say. Indeed, indeed. And also, in true horror fashion, there's some death, which we love to see. You know, it doesn't say horror on your wall for a reason. I mean, you know, it says mm-hmm. it for a reason. Yeah, so, for sure. For sure. Um, I'm glad that we've all signed up for a horror show. And uh, I love the music. I love the campiness. I love the short shorts and uh, plenty more where that came from. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's intense. I'm glad you've come around to it. It is campy at, with a capital C. It, it's it's not to be taken too <laughs> too seriously. I think that's the thing. If you go into it with like a super horror mindset, it's unlike any movie I've ever seen before. It's so John Waters. It's very like Crybaby, very Hairspray. If he made a horror movie, I feel like it would be something like this. It's so weird. It's so good, you know? Yeah. I can't wait to see more. Everybody tune in next time for the exciting conclusion of Sleepaway Camp. We look forward to chatting with you. Until then, don't stand over a human-sized boiling pot.